You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Clemson Nation, and welcome to Locked On Clemson. Happy Wednesday. We're only two days away from Christmas and just eight days away from the Sugar Bowl. And I couldn't be more excited for it. We've got a great show for you lined up today. We're going to be digging into the mailbag to answer your Clemson sports questions. We're going to be doing that more often, so keep a lookout for that. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Follow me on Twitter at Ellis Tolbert. That's E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversations. And to get your questions answered here on Locked On Clemson. We want to make sure you get your answers in and have fun with you. Uh, a lot of good questions today, so I'm super excited about it. Please subscribe to the Locked On Clemson podcast. You can find that wherever you find your podcast for free. That way you can get the episodes as they drop five days a week. You don't want to miss a single thing. Uh, We're going to keep you up to date with Clemson Athletics. Please review the show and leave us a gigantic five-star rating on the show. It's going to help us out more than you know. Again, really good questions. Can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Let's go ahead and open up the mailbag. We'll start with a question from Boog underscore Yo over on Twitter. Thanks for reaching out, man. He asked, what are you expecting from EJ Williams in the playoffs? That's a really good question. EJ Williams has turned into a receiver that we can rely on now. Uh, it's exciting to see. You know, he's played 11 games now. You're no longer a freshman. You're baptized. You're ready to go out there and play. To start the season, you already lost guy like Justin Ross, in my opinion, would have been the best receiver in college football had he played this year. You also lost Joseph Ngata for the majority of the season to injuries here and there. Just not able to go. And then the next guy off the bench was going to be Frank Latson. Uh, Frank Latson has been up and down this year, catch issues, but then also injuries. So you've been really left with Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers, who is already at a staple of this offense, and then whoever else can suit up and run a route uh, for the Clemson Tigers. EJ early on was not necessarily ready to play. I don't think his body was ready to play yet. He didn't go through spring. Uh, really summer was kind of piecemeal because of COVID. No one really knew what was going on. And then fall was kind of abbreviated so they can go ahead and get the season started. But as time went on, you could see more things develop. And in this last game, we really saw him step up and be the receiver that we knew he could be. The reason why we recruited him to come to play at Clemson. He reminds me a lot of Justin Ross. He can make those acrobatic catches. You saw him do that against Notre Dame in the ACC title game. Just crazy circus one-hand catch. He can do those things. He's just like Justin Ross. Both of them came from Phoenix City High School in Alabama. Uh, He might not be as fast as some of the other receivers that we've had at that skill set and height, but the guy can ball. I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. It's going to help a lot now that you have a third receiver that can be an actual threat in this offense. Uh, Cornell Powell is going to have to be shaded. You're going to have to double team Amari Rogers if you're smart. Uh, Clemson starts adding the tight ends to the game again. Travis Etienne in the receiving game. It's going to be hard to be able to pick someone. So now that you have to uh, kind of prioritize which receiver you're going to go after, it's going to be hard to not go after the top two guys in Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers. I think EJ is going to be able to eat alive this Ohio State secondary. Uh, They're one of the dead last secondaries in the Big Ten anyway. Now he's going to have an opportunity across the middle, those bang gates, some post corner type things. Zone coverage beaters. He's got that skill set of a slot, but also the acrobatics of a five or nine man. So I'm excited to see this kid play. He's going to do well. Moving along to the next question comes from JH, JQ Hall, 627 over on Twitter. He asks, who comes back? Who should come back for the Clemson football team? I actually answered this on a previous episode, but we'll get through it again briefly. I think a guy like James Skalski could definitely come back. Uh, He's been injured a lot over the years. 
Uh, so he's missed a couple of games, and he needs all the tape that he can get for the NFL. I think if he gets enough tape, he can avoid the Ben Bowler route where you're a great player, but they just don't know how you fit. Jamie Skowski is more athletic and probably better for the NFL than a guy like Ben Bowler. So we'll see what happens with that. I think he can definitely come back. I think Darion Kendrick has a chance to go. He's getting some chatter on the NFL draft boards. But I think that right now uh, he could definitely use another year at Clemson to hone his skills completely and be ready for the NFL. I mean, he's already made the first-team All-ACC defensive team, so that's pretty good, but he can definitely use another year back. Another guy on the other side of the ball is Jackson Carmen. He had a lot of hype coming into this season as one of the best tackles in college football. Obviously, he's not going to be taken over Panay Sewell, left tackle for the Oregon Ducks. He's probably going to be the first tackle taken off the board. There's a lot of tackles out there that can go. I think if he comes back for another year, not only could he be a part of an offensive line at Clemson that could have been the best ever in Clemson history, uh, but he can really make some more money for himself so long as he stays healthy. Um, (laughs) There's not a lot of guys, I think, are going to leave for the NFL off of this team yet. We still have a lot of youth. As far as transfers, hopefully we'll see a guy like Tyson Pumachan come back at quarterback. We will need a very solid backup. If he leaves, things start to get a little muddy with the quarterback position. I think Lynn J. Dixon comes back for his senior year to start. I think he'll definitely get that starting position. And, you know, uh, we, we could potentially see Cornell Powell come back. I, I don't know what the true value is in that. He'll be a sixth-year receiver. But this year shows that, hey, he has the ability to take the top off of defenses. If he can come back and prove that for a second year, I think he's definitely going somewhere. He can make a roster right now. I'm not saying he's definitely coming back, but I think he could benefit from having another year as one of the top receivers at Clemson, especially if Justin Ross gets healthy and can be cleared to play again. Good question. The next question is from Austin over at Twitter, at Clemson4Bills. He's actually asking two questions, so we'll answer the second question in the second segment. Stick around for that. First up, he's asking, how much would it hurt Clemson to not have Nolan Turner in the first half in the Sugar Bowl against Ohio State? That's actually a really good question. Kind of complex, but also very simple. On the macro, not very much. On the micro, a little. Let's talk about the macro. The reason why I don't think it's going to hurt Clemson in the macro is because we have no idea what personnel groupings Brent Venable will come out. We have no idea what look he'll have, what kind of pressure package he'll have. A lot of different times you can move people in different places to be able to mitigate some of the guys being out or injured. We've seen this over the years and over the last few weeks for sure with having a guy like Landon Zanders be out. Uh, Normally, I think it's going to be an interesting thing because I think Ohio State was going to target Nolan Turner regardless. You remember he was the guy that came up with the game-sealing interception against Ohio State last season, so they know what kind of strengths and weaknesses he has. At the same time, If you bring in a player that they're not necessarily familiar with or have no idea what his skill set is or how he matches up in the scheme, it's going to be difficult to game plan around that. I don't think you can target a specific player. Now, Nolan's going to be missed because the micro is he's a leader. Um, He's going to be one of those guys that's kind of like second in command to Jamie Skalski, who is the leader of the defense, the guy who can communicate the most with the rest of the DBs. He's got experience. But... In the long run, I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt Clemson that much to not have Nolan Turner in the first half. Now, if we're talking about Darion Kendrick or Andrew Booth or Tyler Davis or Jamie Skalski, that's a different story. But I think with Nolan Turner, the thing that you miss is the communication. The thing that you gain is maybe a more athletic guy in the secondary, a Jalen Phillips or Joseph Charleston, that might be able to match up better with those players. 
You could have a different kind of look. You could even bring Malcolm Green in. You could even put uh, a guy like Mike Jones Jr. in that spot because he's already kind of playing a hybrid role in that nickel Sam. He could even play that spot. So we'll see what happens. It just depends on what the front looks like for Ohio State. What kind of offensive scheme are they coming out with their personnel? They're coming out in 11 personnel, 12, 10 personnel. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't know. Maybe that's just my opinion. I know that people are of the opinion that Nolan Turner might be the weakness of the secondary. I don't necessarily believe that. I think he has the most experience out of all of them. And that brings some kind of confidence, bravado. And again, the communication is huge. You have to know where to be and be lined up correct. We'll see what happens with that, though. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to be digging more into the mailbag. But before we do that, let me tell you about my favorite beer, and that's Coors Light. What do you do when you feel like you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button and get ready for whatever's next? Uh, You know, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. It's like everything is go, 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 go nowadays. And that's how I am. I'm always busy. I'm always got something to do. Uh, I'm trying to chill these days. But sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. Like I said, when you do, that's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill. It's Coors Light. Surprise. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. Watching football is therapeutic to fans. It's uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink a beer. With minimal college football teams playing in bowls this year, uh, 2-8 Carolina, I'm looking at you. Coors Light wants you to know that there are still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow them to relax and enjoy a beer. Why not watch the Clemson Tigers if you're not a fan of them, right? Mountain cold refreshment. Made to chill. Coors Light is cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. Look. I'm telling you, again, when you're ready for the game, you got your game face on, you got game paint, you're ready to go, you got your jersey on, it's a little too tight because, you know, you've been eating a little too much lately. But, hey, that's when you want to crack open the beer because then it's going to chill you out for the rest of the game. No matter what happens, you're going to be chill for the game because you're going to have an ice-cold Coors Light in your hands. So Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. And when you need to unwind and hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, my friend, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Also, let me tell you about my friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's like a candy bar. You won't even know the difference. They've improved the flavor of Built Bar. It's even more delicious now. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They've got six new flavors you need to check out. Listen to this. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. That goes in addition to the 12 original flavors. And gosh, these these things are delicious. I love them. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. So if you're a chocolate fiend, you're going to love this. They're soft and easy to chew as well. The best thing about it, they are healthy in addition to being absolutely delicious. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or gal that I know that you are, and it's going to help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Trust me. These bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Great for the keto diet. Let me tell you about the peanut butter one. It's got 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Not much at all, right? But it does a lot when you eat that thing. It's going to taste good. It's going to make you feel really good, too. And look, I'm going to tell you about this offer. You'll get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So you need to go ahead and scoop this up for sure. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off of your next order as well as the cooler. So use promo code locked on for a free cooler and 20% off at builtbar.com. You'll thank me later. 
We've got some big games coming up this weekend, and betting on the Clemson Tigers doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. We're all in here at Locked On Clemson. Thanks for sticking with us. Second segment coming up. We're going to be digging back into the mailbag. And we're going to start with a second question from Austin at Clemson4Bills over on Twitter. Thanks for reaching out to us, buddy. Uh, He's asking, can Clemson establish a run game against this Ohio State front seven? Short answer, yes. Uh, The reason why I think this is because, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, too. So when I say this, some of you guys might be like, what? But I'll I'll go through it a little bit more in depth when we do the breakdown next week of Ohio State. This defensive line for the Buckeyes is actually really good, uh, but that's usual. They're always really good at Ohio State along the defensive line. Is it as good as it's been in the past? Probably not. They don't have the Boses. They don't have Chase Young. Although Chase Young is probably more impactful in the pass rush than run stopping. But again, they have some good names along that D-line. Is this front seven anything different than what we've already seen against Notre Dame? And you're going to be like, what? Let's Pound for pound, Notre Dame's defensive line is just as good as the defensive line for the Buckeyes. The linebackers are just as good for Notre Dame as they are for the Buckeyes. Let's talk about this. For the D-line over at uh, the Buckeyes, you got Tyreek Smith, Haskell Garrett, Togiai, Harrison, uh, younger guys like Vincent, Cooper. They've got some talent along that defensive line. Are they pound for pound better than Heinish or Tonga Vailoa Mosa or Ogun Deji or Dalen Hayes for Notre Dame, I can't necessarily say yes or no. I think I've seen this Notre Dame team in two different ways. I've seen Clemson be able to only run for one yard per carry up in South Bend, but also run for almost eight yards per play against this same D-line later on in the year. So I don't know. I think they're about even, honestly. Let's look at the linebackers. Baron Brown, a great player. Don't know if he's going to be able to be cleared for this game. I don't know if he's a COVID guy or he was just not playing against Northwestern just because. Um, tough Borland, another player, Pete Werner, Taraja Mitchell. These guys are good. They're very aggressive, not unlike the guys over at Notre Dame. Maris Lufau, Drew White, probably the best linebacker on both squads and Owusu Koromora. I don't think this front seven is any better than what we've already seen. So short answer again, yes, Clemson can establish the run, but it's going to take a little time to develop. Uh, you know, you saw Clemson go to screen town, which people hate. But the reason why they do that is to widen the defense. They want to widen this defense and have them running horizontally instead of straight at your face. It's going to make them less aggressive. It's going to widen open run lanes for Travis Etienne and especially a guy like Trevor Lawrence if he's running their RPO. That's going to be a key. If Clemson can get Trevor Lawrence moving with the ball in his hands, I think Clemson will be very successful in this game against this Ohio State defense. Uh, We're not even talking about their coverage. (laughs) Uh, That's absolute garbage. I'll go ahead and say that. But I think Clemson has a good chance of really being able to establish a run, which will lead to them winning the game, in my opinion. Long answer, yes. (laughs) Good question, man. We got another two-part question from Ashley Ryan over on Twitter. She's asking, where was Lynn J. Dixon last game, and is Justin Ross a candidate to leave for the NFL draft this year? I'm going to start with Lynn J. Dixon question because it's a little bit more uh, nuanced, and the Justin Ross one's very simple. So Lynn J. Dixon was probably a healthy scratch in this last game. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Clemson's kind of tight-lipped when it comes to those things. 
Um, he probably was just a healthy scratch. He was just held for this game. Who knows? Uh, or he could have tweaked something in practice, just wasn't ready to go. Uh, he's been nursing a little bit of a knee injury all season. That's why he hasn't looked as explosive as he has in past games. But maybe he just, you know, just was a healthy scratch. Clemson doesn't necessarily give reasons why all the time when guys are held. Uh, sometimes Dabo might say, oh, he was in the love shack. You know how Dabo is. But they're really, really tight-lipped about this. Uh, you didn't really see a lot of guys play in this game. Uh, Ches Malusi got in the game, really was the second back in this one. This is why I'm trying to tell people he might push for starting position next year. I know you get Will Shipley and all those other guys coming in, but Ches Malusi is a baller. Um, and then you saw a little bit of Darian Rancher, but this game was mostly dictated by Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. They were keying on Travis Etienne a lot. This is why Trevor Lawrence's legs were able to make an impact in this game because they really wanted to neutralize Travis Etienne. <laughs> when they realized they had, oh man, we got to stop Trevor, Travis Etienne's run lanes were opening too. So <laughs> it, it, again, it, it just didn't really call for anybody else outside of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. So good question. The second question, very easy. Justin Ross is relying on his doctor to clear him for football in general, not just to come back to Clemson. If he doesn't get good news as far as, hey, you're cleared, you can play football again, it doesn't matter if he wants to come back or Clemson or not, he won't be able to play football ever again. We're hoping for great news on that front, not even just for Clemson, but for the kid's career in general. Hopefully he can get healthy and be back to playing football. Because of his eligibility in his class, yes, he could definitely come back to Clemson. He could also go pro. He will be a junior. Um, do I think he should go pro? Probably not. He needs some more tape. One year is not enough but I think he will be able to uh, come back, play Clemson football. I think he's going to be healthy and his doctor's going to clear him. We've got two more questions coming up in the final segment of Locked on Clemson. Can't wait to get to those, so stick around for that. Before we get to that, though, let me tell you about my friends over at betonline.ag. Are we ready for some football, folks? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. Uh, I'm excited about all of them. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming ever clearer. The Titans will definitely be there. Super excited about that. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports books experts. All right, Clemson fam. Back to Locked On Clemson. Final segment. We're going to be digging back into the mailbag. If you have any questions you want answered about Clemson athletics, be sure to tweet me at Ellis Tolbert, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T on Twitter. Uh, I'll try my best to answer those questions for you. And if I don't know the answer, I'll bring someone on that does. How about that? We're going to have fun with this. we got two more questions to answer on this show, and we're going to head out. i got a question from at Felicia Sarter over on Twitter. She says, do you see us defending fields the same way we did Ian book? Uh, yes. <laughs> good question. Uh, Ian book is really good with his feet. He's probably one of the better quarterbacks in and out of the pocket, uh, but he's a little short. It's hard for him to see. So he's going to get flustered and run around a little bit. He's a backyard quarterback. That's what he is. 
Justin Fields is a little bit more smooth with it. He he doesn't uh, get flustered as much. He's a bigger quarterback, about 6'3", so he can see, uh, and he has good field vision. But he's a dual threat quarterback, and I, I don't I hesitate saying this because people overrate him, in my opinion, as a dual threat quarterback. They're, they're making it out to be some guy like he's Lamar Jackson. He's not that athletic when it comes to just running around and juking people and getting past everybody. I, I personally don't think that. I've seen enough film on him from high school to Georgia to Ohio State to know that. He's a great athlete. He has a better arm than Ian Book, so he can make some of the throws that are needed to be tighter and quicker in windows. Uh, so it, it's more of a threat in the passing game. But he can move. Once he gets out of the pocket or if he's comfortable in the pocket, you got issues. The reason why we shut down the Notre Dame offense is because we started with collapsing the pocket on Ian Book. You want to collapse the pocket. You don't want to run past the guy who has really good run pocket skills. <laughs> you, you do not want to do that. All they're going to do is just run right past you. Or if you're going to arm tackle them, uh, these guys are big. They can break your arm tackles like nothing or just juke you <laughs> is what it is. But I think it starts with collapsing the pocket on Justin Fields. You want to disrupt his rhythm, uh, which is something that we did a really good job with Ian Book. Something that Clemson has done really good, which is why they're second in the country in sacks. They're really good. You don't have an individual leader in sacks, but you have a lot of guys coming together to make a lot of good plays. So if we're getting really good pressure up front from Tyler Davis and Brian Brzee and Jordan Williams, Niles Pinckney, and then the ends, they're being very disciplined and being able to not over-pursue and sometimes just getting a hand on the tackle and pushing him backwards with Xavier Thomas if he's playing in this game, KJ Henry, Justin Mascall. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Justin Foster. Maybe he'll play. I don't know. Uh, but you have a lot of guys, Miles Murphy, who was a grown man. He's got a beard now. He looks like a 35-year-old man out there playing. Uh, if you get those guys to play disciplined and collapse the pocket, I think you can really beat them. Now, on the coverage side of things, you're not really going to really confuse Justin Fields, but if you are able to win your one-on-one matchups, if you're playing man-free, for instance, if you win those matchups against the receivers over at Ohio State, that's going to, again, affect his time and rhythm throws. He's going to have to hit the dump-offs. He's going to have to uh, maybe take off when he doesn't want to. And instead of getting a 40-yard passing play down the field, he's only going to settle for a five-yard run uh, because he just can't find anybody down the field. So I think if Clemson can get in his head and collapse the pocket and affect his rhythm, we got this thing in a bag. Really good question. All right, we've got one more question. It comes from CTB underscore Clemson Paws over on Twitter. He's asking, why is Ohio State so much better at sacking the quarterback on passing downs than on standard downs? He's citing CFBStats.com ranks Ohio State 109th on standard downs and 12th on passing downs. Really good question, uh, two-parter two. I would say the easy answer is because they're really good on first and third down. They're able to get teams to play behind the sticks on first down so they can pin their ears back on third down and really get after the quarterback. Uh, but also, you have to consider two different things on top of that. And one is something that Dabo Sweeney has been reiterating pretty much all week <laughs> and throwing in their face, is that they've only played six games, so the stats are a little bit skewed. They're a little bit incomplete. Uh, you're going to have teams that look like in a snapshot or in a microscope really good at certain things, but they have not played enough games for that to really match what their actual output would be. So, for instance, if, if you have a quarterback that has only a thousand yards passing, if he only played six games, uh, uh, you know, that's an issue. But if he played a full season, maybe he would have two thousand five hundred or something like that. 
Also, same for the defensive stats. Teams that have only played six games defensively will have less yards per game uh, given up than teams that play 12, unless they're just uh, 85 Bears. But <laughs> I haven't seen a defense like that this year at all. So um, another thing to look at, too, is considering what teams they've played this year and what kind of offensive philosophies those teams have had. So you'll talk about a team like uh, Indiana, say, for instance, they throw the ball pretty much all the time. <laughs> they're, they're, they're throwing the ball all over the field. Uh, Michael Penix is nowhere near uh, Trevor Lawrence, but he had about 500 yards passing on this Ohio State defense. So I'm thinking this is going to be a really good game for Trevor Lawrence, but I digress. Again, you have to think about this. Just look at the teams that they've played. Nebraska, not very good at pretty much anything offensively. <laughs> Penn State, when they played them, not very good at all, just team-wide. They've gotten better as the year has progressed, but – just not very good. And of course, they lost Journey Brown and Noah Kane. So at this point, I, I don't know what Penn State is. Rutgers is not a good football team at all. Uh, Indiana, again, a throwing team. Michigan State, again, a throwing team. But they are dumpster juice too. So it's kind of hard to really even infer any kind of information. This is why I ignore any advanced analytics about Ohio State for this specific season, just because I have an incomplete uh, case study. There's not enough to go off of. I just base what I've seen uh, with my own eyes and knowing what Ohio State's philosophy and scheming is. That's how I'm coming up with my opinions of what they can do and why they're so good at certain things and why they're so bad at certain things. <laughs> Again, go back to the secondary being terrible, one of the worst in the Big Ten because they get passed on a lot. So we'll, we'll see what happens in this game. I think Clemson has a really good advantage, though, because we know what they can do and what their strengths are. Really good question. And with that said, we've come to the end of today's edition of Locked On Clemson. Thanks for sticking with us. Tomorrow we're going to talk more Clemson football. There's always going to be stuff to talk about with Clemson football. Super excited about that. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's at Ellis Tolbert, E-L-L-I-S-T-O-L-B-E-R-T for more conversation. I'd love to have it with you. Uh, we're growing this thing. It's exciting. Also, be able to get your questions in. Uh, we can answer it and talk about it on Twitter, and maybe they'll make their way onto the mailbag. We'll do that once a week now. It seems to be a really fun addition to the show. If you'll subscribe to the Locked On Clemson podcast, you can get that wherever you get your podcast for free. You'll be able to get the episodes as soon as they drop five days a week. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to get you up to speed with all things Clemson athletics. I promise that. We're going to have fun with this thing. If you'll review the show and leave a humongous five-star rating on it, it would help us more than you know. Have a great day, my friend. Christmas Eve is coming up soon. Be excited about that and keep safe with your family. As always, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. I'll see you tomorrow right here on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Locked On Clemson Podcast.